This week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by Midwest Action. Midwest Action is a record and tape label as well as a blog based here in our hometown of Chicago. Midwest Action showcases the best and brightest in the Midwestern music scene, covering genres of all types, from lo-fi garage rock to hip-hop, psychedelic rock, and more. For more information on their releases and events sponsored by Midwest Action, you can head to MidwestAXN.com or search MidwestAXN at Bandcamp. Midwest Action. Listen local. What's happening, everybody? I'm Dan Fiorio. And I'm Michael Lane. And welcome to episode 28 of Infinite Canvas Ultra. On this week's episode, we're going to recap on some new music releases that have come out within the last couple of weeks and give our thoughts and opinions on them. Yeah, we'll also be running down some news that's uh, kind of occurred in the last week or so. Uh, a bunch of different things and... and... A bunch of different mediums, actually. Very, very weird crossovers and... A bunch of weird shit. Some interesting things have happened over this last week, so we'll be covering some of that. And to cap things off this week, we're going to be giving a review of Capone, uh, the new film by... Oh, crap, I'm blanking on his name. Josh Trank. Josh Trank. uh, The creator of uh, a pretty well-beloved film in in Cloverfield, uh, you know, well-liked film, and then um, also the Fantastic Four reboot from 20. 2015, which was uh, his last film before this. Yeah, and... it kind of uh, threw his career in the gutter, and he finally got out, maybe? You'll find out yeah. on this week's episode <laughs> of Infinite Canvas Ultra. Yeah. Stay tuned. I would like to say right off the bat our apologies to Josh Trank. Anyway, welcome to Infinite <laughs> Canvas Ultra. Um, J.J. Abrams? And J.J. Abrams. More on that later. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll address that later. But uh, yeah, uh, how's everybody doing? Hope everybody's had a good week. Michael, how you been? I've been great. Um, it's been a, a very hot week. It's getting, it's getting hot this, this hot. Uh, what is today? The 23rd, 24th of May. Yep. Uh, all the days, again, as always, have been jumbled together, and I don't know what day it is ever. Um, but it is a Sunday, um, and it is Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. This yeah. is the Memorial Day weekend episode of Infinite Canvas. Play us at your socially distant barbecue. <laughs> uh, yes, please do. Just sit in your house, air-conditioned, blasting, and listening to us ramble on about Josh Trank. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, remember uh, his name. I'm going to keep saying his name, so I remember <laughs> And you'll never forget it. You'll never um, forget it. Yeah, no, it's been a good week. Um, we we had a, a pretty good day yesterday. We, we, we traveled outside of the boundaries of uh, the Illinois state. Cross uh, the lines. border. We went to Indiana to do some some movie and record shopping. And yeah. It was a good feeling. Yeah, well, it was nice. Um, getting out, um, obviously, um, I don't want to downplay any of the coronavirus and, and its effect um, that it's having, and, you know, who knows what it, it's, it's going to have a long effect on our lives for a long time to come. Um, but, you know, we've been cooped up for, for so long, and um, anyone who's listening, if, you know, people are out of state uh, of Illinois... Um, we've been pretty locked down since, uh, the, since mid-March, um, and we're one of, like, at least in our, our general vicinity of, of states that are kind of neighboring and bordering us, um, we're kind of the 
the most locked down of them all. Like Indiana's been open for about a week um, or more open. Um, yeah. Wisconsin, Actually, I think. Just this past Monday, that's when restaurants started opening up sure. again. Uh, some of the stores that we went to. Yeah. Shout out to Disc Replay, Second and Charles, <laughs> yeah. Tenth Planet Comic Book Store. If you're in the Highland, Indiana area or close to it, and you're just, you know, jonesing to buy some shit, go out there. They got some good yeah. stuff. Especially um, that disc replay, really great record selection. Yes. Found some really cool um, stuff there yesterday. But um, yeah, no, it was nice getting out. You know, it, it's very interesting in, in many ways. You know, obviously we talked about this a lot last week, I think, um, and kind of our recap on what has been going on over the last life, two months. Um, life review. Yeah. It's three uh, out of ten. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Two out of ten, maybe. Um, but um, no, it was it was it was nice to get out. It was it was very interesting. We obviously uh not obviously but we also went out during like the middle of a tr- like almost tornado like just torrential downpour don't you miss um, that having to like <laughs> panic to run to your car and knock it you know drenched i miss that it was like the good old days it was a, great. it was a very interesting ex- experience especially because um since our state is so locked down and you know we went 20 minutes out of our way, you know, just 20 minutes east of where, where Dan lives currently, um, and we're able to walk into stores, um, which they weren't even enforcing masks, like, I would say, like, maybe, like, half the people I saw out that day had masks, half the people didn't. But to, uh, um, credit to the people, um, where in the state of Indiana, where you don't technically have to follow the rule of wearing masks, or the, you know, have to wear a mask, I guess I shouldn't say a rule, it's not a rule there, people were doing it, people yeah. were being safe, Yeah, it's great to see that. Definitely, um, you know, so, it so that's good, and then all the workers at all these stores, and, and the restaurant we went, ended up going to, um, everyone was wearing masks there, or at least the, the workers were. I think it shows that for a lot of people that are kind of rightfully nervous about, places opening back up I think at least being in that area and, and you know seeing that that there is kind of hope for that that people will be mindful and right. uh, will be safe yeah I think it will happen I'm not like super I'm not as like negative about it maybe I don't know I could see like maybe in the city of Chicago maybe being a little bit right but um, I don't know I think all in all maybe people will kind of take note of what's been going on and apply these practices of staying safe Yeah, I, as I, things start to reopen. I, I hope that more people, you know, like, out of anything that, that's come of all this, like, you know, if stores are to begin to open up and, and as other states have been opening up and, and, you know, kind of letting people go free to do whatever they want, I just, I hope that a majority of people will be smart enough and, and just even nice enough to keep continue wearing masks yeah. and keep distance from people and, and, you know, wash your hands as much as you can. And, you know, every store we went into, they all had um, hand sanitizers. So every time I walked in anywhere and if I was touching anything, as soon as I was walking out, I was using the hand sanitizer, you know, trying to be as safe as I could. Um, not that I'm necessarily at this point so afraid of getting it, like yeah. for myself, for like like becoming sick myself. I think personally, we're pretty out of the woods of, in terms of that. Like I think we've like if we've been exposed to it, it's happened right like, long it, ago. It's it's a very interesting situation in that fact because like obviously this is affecting so many people in, in many areas, including like New York and and um, like San Francisco and like all these different like big metropolitan areas, even Chicago. Um, 
but like I just haven't seen it so much in my purview with like people that I know and and you know um but I've been exposed to the outside and like you know stores and shopping and Dan works at a grocery store right now and it's like if we were you know like we probably contracted this disease at some point um and must be immune to it I guess I don't know it's a very that's why, like, for me, it was, you know, I, I definitely understand why people are nervous about going places and, and, you know, more power to you if you continue to want to stay in. Maybe if you're um, you know, compromised or you know somebody who is or you, uh, you live with, you know, older parents or grandparents or something. I understand. I totally get it. Um, but God, was it nice to get out there oh, yesterday. Oh, absolutely. It was so nice um, to eat a meal in a restaurant. Yes. Like, my God, it's it's just one of those little things you take for granted and never think about it going away in your life and then right. once you've had it you know take away for you for going two out months. about you know yeah two, Over two months. months now um you just really savor it and it's just really nice it's really yeah. nice to have that back again even yeah. if you have to travel a little bit but, <laughs> right um, um yeah. and, and it, it seems that uh you know even the chicagoland area um and and you know other parts of illinois will be opening up more soon um so i'm really glad to hear that i hope a lot of small businesses can you know open back up and and get the money and and help that they need to stay alive and stay afloat um because i think we are at a point at least for now where it's you know it's just it's such it's such an interesting every every time i'm like about to say like we're good like it's cool like let's do it and then it's like well you know who knows what, what's going to happen in three months when everything's opened up and we have like a second wave and everything it's it's just it's all very uh there's a fine line to be to be walked here um and we i guess we'll just have to find out what happens but one day at a time it's yeah. gonna take one day at a time right. and hopefully you know if there is a second wave hopefully it's nothing too terrible hopefully people we'll can manage um yeah it's a new way of life it's a new way of living um I think most people are adjusting, thankfully, and hopefully they'll continue to. Yeah. Speaking of new ways of, of living, uh, I want to talk about something I find very funny that I wasn't <laughs> aware of until I got to our studio, and Michael informed me that apparently uh, in this new world that we live in, we have movies debuting trailers in Fortnite. Uh -huh. We were talking about Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, big, one of the most anticipated movies of 2020 for everybody that cares about movies. Um, new trailer came out this week. Yeah. In Fortnite. In Fortnite, which is like, <laughs> just the wild, like, it doesn't surprise me that a movie trailer is, would have put a trailer into Fortnite. Like, that doesn't surprise me at all. The fact that it's Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which is like... <laughs> Not really Fortnite's audience. Like, I guess Fortnite right. has, like, such a broad audience and, like... But a lot of people, when they think of Fortnite, they think of, like, kids, like, 8 to, you know, 14 or something. Like, which is, like... The Travis Scott concert that happened makes sense. Sure, there, there's yeah. Some, there's some definite crossover yeah. appeal sure. there. There's a lot of, you know, teenagers and younger that heavily mess with Travis Scott yeah. that, like... Yeah, that's that makes sense. Um... 
I do love the idea of Christopher Nolan potentially being a Fortnite fan. Like, that's what he's been <laughs> I, doing. No, I, think that, <laughs> I do love that idea. I think there's no way Christopher Nolan has ever seen a game of Fortnite. Unless he maybe, I mean, maybe he has like a son or a daughter who's like, you know, a Fortnite fan or something. Maybe. Uh, maybe. maybe that's how this happened. But I, I, I honestly feel like it was just like, Warner Brothers, like, we don't know what to do with this movie right now, um, we have a new trailer, uh, let's try and cut a deal and have people watch it in Fortnite, you know, like, Christopher Nolan probably had no idea this was even happening, um, or at least, like, 90% of the way, and then they had to be like, hey, Chris, you cool with this? And he was like, oh, okay, uh, that's my Christopher Nolan, Christopher um, Nolan impression. I don't know what Fortnite is, but... Uh, maybe, maybe his next project will be the Fortnite adaptation. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Um, <laughs> but so on top of this, so they they went and debuted the trailer for Tenet in Fortnite, which I guess like was just displayed on a, a big screen inside of the the game. If um, you guys want to see it, literally just Google Tenet Fortnite trailer, <laughs> and you get this video of like somebody. It, like, says at the bottom, captured on PC. Yeah, some someone's gameplay. Some feed. guy, yeah, was just playing Fortnite and was like standing in front of a screen in game, and then you see like all these darts flying yeah. by. The guy's just standing there. People are zooming past him while the trailer is playing. It's also it's a great way really, to watch a trailer. I want to watch was, every trailer like that. I was actually about to say like it's not a good way to watch a trailer because. Uh, well, it's kind of a about? fun way to watch a trailer, honestly, because like you're right, like it's like players in Fortnite who are just, like, shooting, like, darts or, like, arrows at the screen the whole time, and, like, <laughs> the characters, this is a third-person game, and the character's sitting there, like, blocking, you know, a portion of the screen, and then someone runs up behind him, and he has to, like, kind of shift over to the side to get out of his way. Um, but on top of this, so they debuted the trailer there, um, and then uh, after that they announced that they're going to screen an entire... Uh, one of Christopher Nolan's previous films in Fortnite later this summer. Like, a one-off showing of, like, Inception in Fortnite or something, which, like... I hope it's Memento. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's the following. Um, like, why... Why would anyone watch a Christopher Nolan movie? Why would anyone watch any movie in a Fortnite game? Seriously. Like, that doesn't even... It's so sad. There's no appeal. It's so sad that we've reached this point where you have to live via a video game. Like, actually, like, we're living in the future. <laughs> well, I, weren't, we like, just, weren't we just saying how great Animal Crossing is for this exact reason last yeah. year? Um, <laughs> but it's weird at the same time. Like, sure. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Which, that would have made way more sense if they had Tenet in Animal Crossing, oh, I absolutely. think. Like, you just walk outside, and then your your campsite is, is running, and they got a, yeah. you know, a little drive-in theater with, with Tenet going. That'd be so adorable. <laughs> that's how Tenet's going to premiere, actually. Yeah, that's how Tenet's actually going to premiere. They premiered their trailer on Fortnite, but they know that the real money is actually in, actually in Animal Crossing now. So Definitely. they're going to move the real film over to there. Um, and, and you're going to have to owe uh, a billion bells <laughs> a billion to Tom bells. Nook to, to watch it. Uh, um, <laughs> the whole explanation. <laughs> it's a song. <laughs> Do you want to watch Tenet for a billion bells? <laughs> um... So yeah, that was um, <laughs> the weird, probably the weirdest news of this week. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, maybe um, de definitely much bigger news uh, that that broke and and 
everyone who's who's any kind of uh, comic book or film or just like entertainment nerd oh, yes. um, has so. probably definitely heard of um, so HBO Max, which is a, a streaming service with, with HBO coming uh, later this summer. I think uh, next month. Yeah, actually, actually it might be. Is it this where I said? Is May, it like May twenty sixth? Yeah, because where I've seen like, May twenty. I think it's like release. I think it's this like, week. Yeah, I think. Um, but anyway, so that that's uh, um, an HBO uh, streaming service that they're about to launch uh, in con- conjunction with like uh, I know Warner Brothers is going to have a lot of their catalog on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if those maybe those companies are the same. Maybe Studio Warner, Ghibli is uh, going to have their catalog right. on there, which is pretty um, crazy. So on top of that, that obviously Warner Brothers owns uh, DC Films um, and DC Entertainment, so um, you know we would get Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad and everything. On top of that, um, big news this week for every uh, every just I I don't know who these people are. I don't know why these people exist, the, but the DC um, fanboys, the the people who really want um, hashtag release the Snyder Cut to happen. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League reshoot, re, re, you know, thing, um, it's happening. The They're, Snyder, the Snyder the cut, Snyder is cut, finally coming out. Praise be to Snyder. Can't wait. Actually, yeah, I can. I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> so, so obviously, like if you know, if you've been following, if you you know, on Twitter or Facebook or have been following any sort of you know comic book movie news over the last three or so years since Justice League has come out, uh, which was a pretty fucking bad movie. Oh, it's terrible. Um, which uh, kind of um, you know had a lot of of studio input and changing directors Joss Whedon was brought in after uh, Snyder unfortunately couldn't finish the film right. due to the passing of his daughter yes um, um, and it very obviously feels like two different directors like you know trying making to cobble one something movie together. cobble something together um, with, yeah two different directors and a bunch of studio interference right right so I don't think that would have made the movie any better had it not had <laughs> that's that that's the thing is, is that people have wanted this for so long like ever since the movie came out like they saw some sort of potential in justice league which if anyone's seen justice league like there really isn't i don't think um even even had there not been you know the the studio interference or or the uh you know unfortunate circumstances that surrounded uh zack snyder's life during the the final you know weeks of production it it isn't fair that you know that happened where he like you know wasn't able to see his vision through especially under those circumstances so in one regard i am happy that he gets to do this he gets to have this you know his version his vision of the sure. film put out into the world but mm, I, wonder, uh, I wonder how it's going to turn out well um i mean we could probably just look to uh batman v superman which he had full involvement in and like from what i remember of that movie it didn't seem like there was like an abundance of studio interference or at least like in terms of like at least not to the height uh, of justice league had you right. know like it, it was just kind of came and went it was a bad bad movie, a bad movie. Um, there was a lot cut out that a lot of like sure. crucial stuff oh, actually sure. that was okay. cut out that was in the three-hour-long uh, oh, right. cut. That, the director's... Yeah. So we already got a director's cut for that one, right? Yeah. Um, it does make it slightly better, but I never want to watch that <laughs> film ever again in my life yeah. after seeing that. So with, um, you know, news of this coming out, it's uh, apparently going to... The, the Snyder Cut is going to premiere sometime in 2021. 
Um, so it's still a ways away. Um, apparently they're going to put like $30 million into this. So I've heard. Uh, which is a, that's a lot of money to put into like, I don't know what they're going to do because apparently they're not doing reshoots apparently, with any of the cast. Apparently so. they're finishing up CGI work I, that I needs guess. to be done. Uh, yeah. I guess they're getting some of the cast to do like, I've heard voiceovers. Quite, yeah, I don't sure. know what capacity that's needed for, but that sounds a little... It just—it seems like a little. This seems a little cobbled together, you know. It like, does. Um, this movie was made. It's happened already. Like I—I I obviously like a lot of movies, classic movies. Even you know, you think of Blade Runner or Apocalypse Now, where they go through these kind of monumental changes, and there's like you know the the final cuts of these movies. Blade Runner has like fifty thousand yeah. cuts. Um, but you know, there's. Those are those are good movies, right? Like exactly. well regarded, well respected movies. I think with Justice League, it's like they're trying to. There's just this this fervent fan base for this. Although I honestly can't imagine it's that big. It's just like a very vocal minority exactly. group of, of fanboys that want this. Because I mean, yeah, and for some reason these people are just so passionate about the vision, the direction of these films to have been something so special and like really great yeah. and like you know so different in terms of what's in the comic book movie landscape and they are I mean I guess if like you really like Zack Snyder and you know just how his movies typically are because that's basically what these movies are they're Zack Snyder movies yeah. but they happen to have DC characters right. in them um, and I, I don't really understand the appeal but um, just, I guess for people, yeah, for people that are fans of this, I'm happy for them. But I, I have really no excitement for no, this, especially no. considering also this project is supposed to be about four hours long. Right? Yeah, they're saying um, that like it, it will either be like one full four hour movie, or it will be split up into chunks Jesus that are Christ. smaller. Could you imagine um, sitting through four hours? No, of that? That's, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I the Irishman, not. I don't even think was that long. Yeah, like, well, like the Irishman is like three and a half, maybe, but like that. The fact that this could wow like if it's released the full film be longer than the irishman is Which, I, I, mean, I already like, have a headache just right. thinking about that knowing the quality of the original cut of justice league and how i'm sure this will be not much better that does hurt my head but in you know in the <laughs> landscape of you know people binge watching Netflix shows in one sitting, you know, eight eight hours of Netflix. Like it's obviously doable. Like oh yeah, if we, it is a we show. talked about Tiger King. We did Tiger King in a sitting, you know, like over over the last few months, right? But um, I don't know, man. Like four hours of 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 Zack Snyder's Justice League, like. No, sir. Like, yeah. uh, no, thank you. I'm, I'm just totally not interested uh, in this and, and at all. Like, I'll be curious to hear about what the changes are and, like, you know, like if there's anything kind of crucial that's sure. done. Because um, there was a very interesting video. There's this YouTube channel called Heavy Spoilers where, uh, I guess, Zach Snyder did an interview. I forget with who, but he basically, like, laid out what his plans for the entire franchise of this mm -hmm. was supposed to be. Um, I'm glad we're not getting it, but it's interesting. Okay. It's a very interesting idea in terms of, like, how this was supposed to play out and how the subsequent movies were supposed to be after this. And I, I wonder if this is going to be kind of closer to what he said in that interview, which would be mm. interesting. It basically, it's essentially just boiled down to its, like, core things. It's a story where Superman essentially turns evil and, like, the rest of the Justice League kind of have to, like 
fight Darkseid and, you know, turn Superman, you know, uncorrupted. Basically reverse time back because mm. I think he loses Lois Lane somehow in the midst of this. Okay. Um, yeah, just very typical, like, kind of sounds like the plot to Injustice. Sure, yeah, yeah, right. And uh, essentially it... The franchise was supposed to end with, like, Batman getting killed. Like, he basically sacrifices himself. Like, he, to say he shoots Darkseid and Darkseid. It's, like, it's basically the end to the uh, Grant Morrison's final crisis. Uh-huh. At the end of that book, um, Darkseid is, like, about to hit somebody with, like, this Omega Ray. It's, like, power that he has. Batman jumps in and, like, shoots him with, like, a gun and kills him. But he also dies in the process. Uh-huh. And that's how we get... Uh, Dick Grayson taking the mantle. Okay. Um, so essentially they were going to do that. It was going to all culminate in that. Batman gets this huge redemption. Superman's a good guy again. Yada, yada, yada. It's like basically what you would expect. But that's not going to happen, <laughs> right? Like gonna it's happen. never going to happen because and it's those funny. movies aren't going to get made. Exactly. And I think there's like this weird sort of like hype and like, you know, hope that this is going to happen in light of this, that we're going to get like, you know two more movies continuing on this story because DC is sort of going away from having any kind of soul <laughs> movie continuity and it's like that's just a pipe dream that yeah. shit's not going to happen this is not going to be I don't think enough people like just general public would care about a project like this no. at all like I feel no. like most people who are getting HBO Max or seeing ads for this are just you know like Justice League like when that movie come out like three years ago like exactly. it, it was bad like I, I think any hope for that is just kind of ridiculous um, also with the the hope that these same fans are having for a a Suicide Squad air cut which I'm even less interested in that no, yeah Jesus yeah. Christ um Seeing as how David Ayer went on to uh, make Bright following Suicide Squad, it's it's clear that David Ayer doesn't make good movies anymore. No. Um, which was kind of started with with uh, Suicide Squad, which uh, you know I assume probably had you know a lot of. Well, I remember like the Joker stuff that all got cut out, and like you know there was a lot of studio interference with that. Like DC was really bad at making movies for a number of years. Like mm-hmm. most of. Uh, Probably half to, I guess, like, 2013 to, like, 2017, um, from Man of Steel to, like, Justice League, they were just terrible at not interfering and making these just very garbage movies, basically. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, how are you going to salvage Suicide Squad when that movie is just literal dog shit? Call me crazy, but I actually would be more curious to see that director's cut than the Justice League one just because I'm sort of curious as to if it's actually true that there was all this, you know, all this Jared Leto putting on a great performance as Joker uh, you know, speculator hype or whatever he was claiming that was in this movie. Like, I'm kind of more, I would be more curious to watch that than I, I would sure. and I would still be hesitant to watch oh, yeah. it but I am just like curious like was this really supposed to be something more special than you're letting on? I highly doubt it, but that would get my attention more than sure. Ever, especially the four-hour cut of Justice right. League. Uh, <laughs> but no, if you gave me like a like a pretty lean, you know, two-hour and change 
David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. I'd be kind of curious just to see, but I, I know I'd regret it. It would be bad. Day. I'm sure it would be bad. But I, I'm also certain that that will never happen. It will like, I think that's just... The, the, there was never... I, like, I, I only heard about this Ayer cut in response to the Zack Snyder cut It's, it's just like, those same fans getting something new to right. rally around because now they don't really have Which, the like, Snyder cut anymore because it's happening. Right. So. Also, never uh, concede to your fan base, like especially like a small minority, like very vocal, like very harmful and mean spirited fan base. Yeah, like, uh, I kind of hate that the Zack Snyder cut is actually happening because it's like kind too. of like giving you know a bone to like these people who are like just you know just like probably just hurtful commentators you know all across the internet and just right i i don't know and like I, and like for what like so now they have this ammo of saying oh this is you know right like so great and da, da, da. give like, us everything we want right like you know yeah i'm not too thrilled about it either it's it just shouldn't have happened but um can't stop it now. I guess so. Uh, I guess Snyder Cut's being released. It's Wait, crazy. being released way too late. Little, too little, too late. Four years later, um, after it came out in a a post, uh, you know, DC movies are all like one connected universe thing because like that's not really the direction they're going anymore. Right. Um, Especially when they've adopted such a way better direction. Right just making films that I think is working so incredibly yeah. well for them right now. So I don't understand, I don't even understand why this is happening. Especially for 20 to 30 million. If it was like, yeah, we had to cobble together like 2 million bucks and we, you know, Zack Snyder gave his approval and, you know, edited together one last time and it was, it was good to go. Like, that makes sense. HBO, like, sure, whatever, you want to put 2 million dollars into this little thing. It's a little, you know, PR stunt to get like a bunch of people happy and onto your service. Otherwise, like thirty million dollars for this is is just it's a waste. It's yeah, it's a big waste. You know. Also, um, I'm, I'm gonna go on top of that, but also like comic book movie news related. Do you see that thing about that Spider-Man non-Spider-Man movie that's supposed to come out about the character Jackpot? No. Um. Apparently, no. Sony wants to make a movie about this. There was this like very like forgotten character during Dan Slott's run called Jackpot. I don't even really remember what the character's whole arc was, <laughs> except like, you were kind of under the impression that it was Mary Jane, but I don't think it was her. So Sony is going to be throwing money towards making this. Like, apparently this is what they're pushing for, because like, there was that whole speculation about a female fronted you know, Spider-Verse or whatever they're calling these movies. Like well, there was the Madam Web one, right? Like, that was supposed to happen. Apparently they're putting all their, their chips on the table for this, which is, like... Really... That's a good headline, all their chips on, on the jackpot. <laughs> on jackpot. Um, <laughs> which but... is really unnecessary. It's like, Why on. are they making these why are, movies? Yeah, like, why are these studios putting money towards all this bullshit? Venom like, makes sense. 100% yeah. make a Venom movie. Make a, make a Carnage sequel. Like, are, that makes 100% sense. Those are for sense. the same people that love the Snyder movies. Like, they'll go out, yeah. they'll see it, yeah. they'll be there. Like, they'll be in theaters, not social distancing. And but <laughs> Morbius? Which, like, Morbius, we would have seen by now, right? That was an April release, no? Was it? Oh, man. Or was it, was it made... 
I could have sworn that was like an April release. I think that we would I have almost, seen that by now. I almost want to say June. Okay. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, either way, we're never going to see That's it in this That's wild. I, I totally forgot that, that was even a, yeah. a movie that was that and to then, come out. And then they wanted to make this Madam Web movie, which I thought I saw news about like in the last few days. Like They are still moving forward with that. I can see that. Um, if you're going to make again, a jackpot movie about like, a, a Spider-Man character that... Literally nobody knows. These aren't characters that anyone cares about. No. Um, at least in terms of like gen- general mainstream audiences who would pay to go see a movie. No one knows who Morbius is. Right. Uh, and we've seen Jared Leto's track record as <laughs> as comic book movie uh, characters. So. But bro, um, when the air cut comes out, it'll yeah, be even those know. words. Um, but yeah, it's it's yeah. pretty infuriating. It's like. You're, you're better than this Warner Brothers. Yeah. I mean, just, like, why not put that money towards making another really great standalone DC film? I mean, like, having just re- I rewatched Birds of Prey recently, and it's amazing how right that movie gets, like, what a comic book movie you sure. know, just should yeah. be and feel like. And just, like, the direction that they're taken with the DC characters, with, like, Shazam and then that... Um, of just making these movies that just stand alone well as, like, cool movies that, like, people would just want to see and they're just entertaining as hell and, like, really fun. Basically just selling it off of just the premise, your, you know, all, like, the exposure you have to those characters already, not worrying about a interconnected universe and, like, ten years of films to watch. Like, it's great. They're just, like, they're killing it with that. Mm -hmm. I'm loving what they're putting out. Um... Which is again why I'm like so happy that the Snyderverse <laughs> fell apart and now we're getting yeah. the Batman next year, which mm-hmm. I'm like so excited for. Um, yeah, put your put your money towards that. Make right. a I don't know, make a make a, a fucking Booster Gold movie or an Animal Man <laughs> movie or some yeah. bullshit. I don't care. Make a make a fucking. I don't know, like another Harley Quinn movie or something that's like as good as Birds of Prey. Or like, put like thirty million dollars into producing a new season of like the animated series or something please, with like get please. Bruce Bruce Tim and Paul Dini back and like I'm sure they could do that, right? Like they could yeah. totally throw enough money at those guys and there would be enough enough fans that would like go crazy for that, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. And I feel like that's probably a fair amount of money, like to to throw at something like that, like, like that for thirteen work. episodes, it's yeah. like it's gonna be primarily hand drawn, probably. Like, yeah, like yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. Um, but now instead, we're gonna put thirty million dollars towards a Snyder cut of a movie that isn't really even much liked. No. Um, so um, it's pretty bogus. I mean, that would be that would be super. I'm glad you brought that up. That'd be incredible to just have HBO. If, if HBO Max was like. A new season of Batman the Animated Series, thirteen episodes. Oh, I'd be done. there day one. You know, up. like for sure. That would be um, so great. But yes, no. Um, I think that's kind of uh, all we got for news this week, more yeah. or less. Um, I guess we'll take a break here, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about some of the uh, latest music releases we haven't been able to touch upon over the last few weeks. And uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Infinite Canvas Ultra. Um, so this isn't even really a catch-up as much as it is. We're just kind of recapping a lot of really great music that has come out in the last two weeks. Um, on last week's episode, we kind of talked about some albums that 
came out in the midst of quarantine, uh, such as Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa and The New Abnormal by The Strokes and Heaven to a Tortured Mind by Eve Toomer. But uh, this week and last week especially were very heavy weeks yeah. for music releases. So we want to touch upon what came out, stuff that we've been listening to, get some reviews sure. of those records, and yeah, hopefully give you some recommendations along the way if maybe you're not, you know, exposed to some of these albums or maybe just want to know how we feel about yeah. them. Um, so I think we should start off with one that I know we both really love and an artist that is super near and dear to me. Been listening to him since high school. Um, when uh, Put Your Back Into It, its second album came out in mm-hmm. uh, 2013, and we were talking about Perfume Genius, yeah. uh, Michael Hedreus, singer-songwriter. Um, he has, I-, I think, probably the best track record of like any singer-songwriter of like the last decade wow. in, in music. Um, High praise. I feel that way uh, because, well, one, I love his new record, Set Your Heart on Fire Immediately. Um, after listening to it, I immediately had this feeling of just, man, I haven't listened to like the rest of his catalog in a while. Yeah. So, you know, grabbed the CDs, grabbed the records, I just like sat down and listened through all of them and geez, like just what Still a great holds body up. of work. Yeah. Just all so, so good. Um, and yeah, his new album is incredible. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not uh, as, um, you know, connected with uh, Perfume Genius as, as Dan is here I kind of uh, came into uh, knowing about Perfume Genius as a whole uh, with his last album No Shape which came out in 2017 Phenomenal album um, too Yeah which has one of my favorite songs of the entire decade on it Slip Away which I think is just uh, such a phenomenal track um, and it's an album that I really liked um, but never it was never really something that I, I gravitated to and, and re-listened to a lot, um, but I do I do really like No Shape, and, and since then I never I had never even gone back to his older stuff, um, which now in the midst of Set My Heart on Fire Immediately, and uh, with Dan's really high praise of his older stuff, I definitely uh, think I will be uh, seeking out some of his, his first few albums. Uh, but at the topic at hand, uh, Set My Heart on Fire Immediately, which is his new release from... I, guess not this past week, but the week before. It was last week. Um, yeah, uh, it is just a stunning, stunning album. Like It's a beautiful record, very cinematic. Yeah. Just all the songs have this weird level of sort of discord and, you know, kind of... It has, like, this sort of just, like, warbly kind of griminess to it but a lot of beauty permeating yeah. through on each track you get like a lot of loud blaring guitars and um production that's all at once kind of makes you feel uncomfortable but it's inviting and beautiful at the same time right. um blake mills who uh produced this record i think just did an incredible job him and michael working together just really created such a just beautiful experience of an album and it's really interesting seeing the trajectory of his career when uh his first two records were much more you know very much like singer and a piano very very lo-fi um lo-fi style recordings and just like very minimal and frankly sad and ever since uh too bright and then uh his last record uh, no shape and then set your heart it's just been this like 
huge just evolution for him as an artist. Yeah. I think this is kind of one of the most... Um, I could very much see this being, if you've never listened to Perfume Genius before, this is like the perfect jumping kinda, out yeah. point. Um, because you kind of, you get all facets of like what makes uh, Pedreus great as a singer-songwriter. You yeah. get all his like, you know, kind of more expansive, really beautiful and textured side. You also get his more somber and reflective side kind of towards like the back half of the album where you get like kind of more quieter ballads. Yeah. It's great. It's it's a phenomenal album. It's it's yeah. I I can't uh, agree enough. I think that this record is, it's really such it's such an it's an album's album, right? Like it's it's not oh, yeah. really it's not really a lot of songs that you're really going to you know throw on a bunch of playlists and like be like you know playing at a party or something. This oh, is no. very much like a, an album that you want to take in context. I think. Yeah. Um, sit down with it. Let it engulf you in its sound. Um, because it is such a beautiful sound um, that Hadreas uh, and Blake Mills have created here. It's like this, like baroque pop, uh, like chamber pop kind of uh, you know sensibilities to it, but like with like a lot of like Dan said, like this this like like under like deep seated like dirtiness and and kind of like darker side on some of these tracks, like um, Describe, which is this. Um, kind of a, a standout in the track listing for me especially uh, it's one of my favorite tracks but it also stands out in terms of just like its sound overall uh, whereas a lot of this this album is very kind of slower and um, you know the, the soundscapes are a little more minimalist um, describe as like these blaring guitars yeah. that just like engulf you in, in just like this like lo-fi distorted you know sound with with his vocals overlaid and on top his vocals are very faint and quiet yeah. that's sort of his style and it's it's such a weird juxtaposition that works really well <laughs> yeah. you get this rumbling you know drums and guitars and his you know just very quaint very you know kind of sad affectation right singing the song and it's it's, it's amazing yeah and it leads up to this very beautiful um, just sort of ambient piece towards the end mm -hmm. of it where you just basically get these strings just kind of like wafting away in the background yeah. and you know the last few remaining keys like you know keyboard and synths and everything and it's it's awesome yeah it's, it's a really great um, track and uh, the, like this whole album I think is just I don't think there's like a, a really low point on it I Not think it is just um, just phenomenal um, this, the track Jason which is the fourth track it's on here one of is, my favorites it's probably my favorite i think um and it's again it's a it's a much slower track um there there's not too many on this album that are kind of more upbeat um well except for uh and i definitely want to talk about this because it is kind of an anomaly for um the perfume genius catalog the track on the floor right, yeah which is just straight up this like very funky <laughs> yeah kind of more dance influenced yeah. track which she has never made a song right. that sounded like this before it's really interesting Perfume Genius was supposed to open for Tame Impala on Tame Impala's tour mm. that was supposed to happen wow. and I was very confused to that <laughs> I was like I, I don't really see how that's With a fitting crossover there but a track like that makes a lot of sense because yeah. that that sounds a lot although that like... would have been one track in a <laughs> you know seven track set or something opening for tame impala right. uh, which would have been yeah they're very weird like stylistically if if you mess with what's been going on with tame impala in the last couple albums the style that that project has been shifting towards 
you'll love that song. Yeah, like, it's very uh, much on the, on the floor is a really seller track. Very much in that same vein of uh-huh. like you know kind of indie dance. It's, it's really yeah. awesome. But yeah, uh, Jason is such a great ballad. Yeah, just super well written. I, I love the instrumental on that track so much. Yeah, and the, and the story of that track, like the the uh, the stuff that he's talking about, and uh, across the entire album, like he's. Uh, he's always been an artist. He, he, um, he's gay himself, so he talks a lot about, uh, you know, the homosexual lifestyle in, you know, today's society and everything. And, um, Jason specifically is a song about, like, him having, it's, it's rooted in, like, some fiction, you know, some fiction, but also an actual personal story to him where he had some sort of sexual interaction with uh, a straight man or you know earlier in his life um and it's a very like it like dan said it's it's just very beautifully written it's it's a gorgeous track like the the instrumental here um and and his vocal performance is so stunning um and that's what i think is the uh probably the best aspect of this entire album is is how I think the the a lot of the instrumentation is a little sparse in moment you know at times and on different songs like it is, but it is bolstered by this just gorgeous uh, vocalization from from uh, Hedris. Uh, he just has such a great voice and so so much power to it, and oh, yeah. it, like you feel like everything he's saying is is very true to him and and coming from like the soul. Like it's 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 very deep. Um, it's a it's a phenomenal record to me. Like it kind of sounds both lyrically and musically, just like somebody who is sort of putting to rest their demons and kind sure. of you know coming into their own more. And I really love that about this album, and it makes it for such a poignant and affecting listen. Yeah. Just like every Perfume Genius record, like not not only do I recommend this, but seriously, like listen to every single one of his albums. They're great, yeah. but I absolutely think if you are completely new to Perfume Genius, this is a phenomenal jumping on point. It's also one of the best albums of the year, so can't really beat that. Nope. It's a really phenomenal record. Are we gonna, since we're going through all these records, do we want to give score to these? Let's do it. Um, Um, I'm I'm feeling a... I'm feeling... I'm feeling a solid 8 on this. Yeah? Yeah. I'm I'm feeling a solid 9 on this. I love this album a hell of a lot. I think it's, it's just gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's it's really fucking great and and easily one of my favorite albums of the year so far. Absolutely. Um, what do we want to move on to? Let's talk about our girl Charlie. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Charlie XCX, who has been promoting, I'd say probably like maybe the second week into quarantine, she was teasing that she was going to put out an album, an <laughs> album recorded in the midst of quarantine during quarantine. And that album came out last week, How yeah. I'm Feeling Now, uh, which is about, I think, 11 tracks? Yeah, it's Sorry, 11 I tracks. I track listing here. Um, 37 tracks, minutes. A nice, brisk listen. Uh, definitely a very, not, not only just obviously in the, in terms of how it was recorded, I mean, obviously there's not many albums that have been recorded I in the midst of I think this is the like first. This. There, there's this um, at least of like major artists, right? yeah, like major label artists. This is like the one and only so far, and I can see it happening again, yeah, given however long this lasts. Um, but yeah, this is very much a different experience from her magnum opus Charlie, which came out yeah. last year. But um, 
I almost want to say just as good. Like, I mean, like, I, I think Charlie, I do think Charlie is a better record, and sure. I have heard a lot of people in the last week say that they actually prefer this more. Really? I don't think I fall on that end, but I will say that this is incredibly good. I, I think this is a, a great record. Like, it almost, you know... I guess what I would be saying is if I were to, like, talk about Charlie XCX's discography as a whole, it would probably be Charlie and then this. Huh? Like, you know, back to back. Hmm. I, I think that this is a incredible record. I actually, I love it even more, like, every time I listen to it. And I just love how just raw and... I mean, obviously, being a you know kind of a home recorded <laughs> record, a home recorded pop record, it just has like this rawness to it, and there's a lot of different influences on some of these tracks that I just really, really love, and I also really love the people that she decided to collaborate with on this thing, especially on a track like Claws, where she had one half of a um, hundred Gex produce that track, mm-hmm. and I like that you know even being confined in home she's still reaching out to some really cool people yeah like really cool producers and you know making some some bangers like at home it's 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 a great record i really love it there's a lot of highlights on this thing in my opinion yeah um so obviously a huge fan of charlie xcx just as, just as dan is um charlie was one of my favorite albums of last year um I do like this record a lot um, from what I've listened to it, but I, I, I guess I don't have like too strong of an opinion on it yet, just because I've only listened to it like maybe twice all the way through, um, just because a lot of my time has been taken up by Perfume Genius's album, um, as well as um, another album we'll be talking about uh, in a minute here. Um, so unfortunately, I don't have like too too much to say about this just yet. Um, but I do, like, from what I heard, you know, even in those, those, you know, initial listens, like, um, it's really incredible that she was able to make this in a month and a half. Yeah. Like, um, and I was, I was a little underwhelmed, I guess, by some of the, the singles. Uh, hopefully you guys aren't, uh, being annoyed by my cat right now <laughs> who is, uh, screaming into the mic. Um, uh, maybe you can't even hear. Um... So I was a little bit underwhelmed uh, by some of the singles before this album came out um, on the initial listens, but like giving them, you know, more time, uh, "Forever" and "Claws" um, are like really, really great tracks. Um, I like the the opener here, "Pink Diamond," which is like I just very Diamond. glitchy, very over the top, and just kind of throwing everything at the wall, um, and also doing like you know a a really great hook. That, that Charlie is kind of known for at this point. I love that song so much. It sounds, I mean, for an album that was recorded in quarantine, it really pushes that theme. Like, it kind of feels like sort of almost like pacing back and forth in her house. It sounds very pent up. It oh, sounds sure, very, yeah. you know, kind of, like it's going stir crazy. And I really love that. I think that yeah. she was aiming for that on that track and just achieved that so well. Yeah. Um, I think Anthems is, like, one of the best bangers he has ever made. <laughs> that song is amazing. I keep going back to that track. I think it is so good. And, again, another one that's, you know... I Like, lyrically, I really love what she's done with this. This is not... It's not cheesy at all. It's, like, very real. Like, it very, it very much taps into, you know, just a longing for, you know, like, as an artist and a performer of, you know wanting to be around people, wanting to play shows. I mean, there's, like, a line in it. I think in Anthem's about, you know, like, 
feeling body heat from you know being at a show oh, sure, yeah. and like how that's a feeling that a lot of us are not gonna feel for quite a long time. A long time, and it, it, it's great to hear an artist address this and like being an artist right now during this time um having to cope with that and having to you know get that you know get those feelings out and the way that she does it on this album i think is is amazing i I really really love it a lot yeah um yeah i think it's just achieved so well i think this project is like it, it turned out uh, even better than I expected it to. Yeah, I, I think even in, in you know the few listens I've given it, um, I definitely feel more stronger about it than I kind of even expected. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, how do you create an album in a month and a half? And she kind of like documented the entire process of this. Like in on Twitter, she was updating like every other day with with here's some like scribbles of, of lyrics and here's a 45 second snippet of the song what do you guys think like um doing a lot you know everything was done at home right like um, right. you know all the album art and and single artwork man she is just going off over here she loves the charlie xcx um she's putting out her own album yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luna, luna's album's coming soon um very talkative cat um but yeah, I um, I like it a lot. I, I definitely need to give it you know some more time uh, to really let it sink in. But uh, from what I've listened to uh, to this point, it's definitely you know it's it's really great. And yeah. um, Charlie XCX is, continues to be one of the best voices in pop music. Hundred ten percent. I think for a rating, I, I'm also feeling an eight on this one as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Like I said, it's kind of hard at this point. Um, I'd probably sit at a seven, just just to be good, you know. Sure. Like let, let's just keep it at that. Uh, I feel like now. it'll grow on you. Yeah, I'm sure it will. More you, more time you spend. Yeah, I, I just need to give it more, more listens, and like you know, some of the listens that I've given it uh, have been like you know, just throwing it on like during work. So like I haven't, you know, I need to like give it more time to really sink in uh, before I can really say too much about it. But um, yeah, it's honestly amazing that we have an out al- this album at all so yeah. i you know like even if anything like the, this it's kind of hard to even be harsh on this album even if it was like terrible because it was made in a month and a half simply because of the circumstances we're all in like right it's not really like the char like the sequel to charlie or something you know it's not it's not supposed to be anything right. it's not supposed to be anything bigger than you know but I think given that, I think it really stands as a huge testament to just how great of an oh, artist she yeah, is. Yeah, sure, and, definitely. Uh, just how supremely talented she is. Yeah. And I could see this being a record where if you weren't completely converted to the Church of Charlie, like, <laughs> this, this one will do it. I think I'm seeing that really? a lot, actually, from like, huh. a lot of music fans that, you know, maybe are too good for checking out like some like very very cool like pop music or yeah. like what's happening in the world of pop they're kind of gravitating towards really? this record a bit more <laughs> like due to its rawness and due to like it's kind of you know slightly abrasive aspects that it has I mean it's not an industrial record or something but it definitely has like elements of that yeah. to it which I feel um, it's kind of resonating with a bit of a wider audience sort of more on like an underground stance which mm. is really cool like I, I really love seeing that aspect of her fan base kind of grow even more. Yeah. So, it's 
so deserved. Yeah. I mean, she's she's incredible. It's really great. Uh, love to see. I would love to see more artists maybe try and do something like this in the Me coming too. months. You know, like who knows who else is gonna drop something. That'd be awesome. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? What do we? What do you want to move on to next? I want to give the floor to you. Okay. To talk about uh, another great current day pop artist. Yeah. Who's Constantly killing it. This <laughs> Curly Ray Jepsen. Yeah. So, um, of course, uh, Curly Ray Jepsen released an album last year uh, called Dedicated. Uh, Curly Ray Jepsen, who everyone knows from Call Me Maybe. Um, Classic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's an okay mainstream pop song. Um, but she obviously, she came to like indie scene prominence with uh, her 2015 album Emotion. Uh, which then a year later had a side B collection of uh, eight songs that came out, uh, you know, with uh, tracks that were on the cutting room floor from the original album. Uh, so the same thing has happened here with Dedicated. We uh, she dropped uh, a couple hints, you know, in the past few weeks, and there's been rumors for flying around for a couple months that this was going to be a thing. Um, apparently, she records like upwards of like two to three hundred songs every time she makes an album so there's a lot to pick from um but she dropped uh this past thursday uh dedicated side b just in the morning out of nowhere uh you know again there were like some snippets that she was like you know she was rumoring this herself and, and hinting to it but then it was like a thursday morning release which was kind of out of nowhere um, very unexpected, but um, yeah, Dedicated Side B is phenomenal. Uh, of course, I'm obviously a huge Charlie Ray Jepsen fan, um, even more so than even like so someone like Charlie. Um, I just really love Carly Ray so much. Um, and yeah, it's, it's as much as, you know, if, if anyone out there likes Carly Rae Jepsen, I'm sure they've already listened to this oh, a number of times. Likes Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I think this album is, is really great. Have you given it any I haven't listens? yet. Um, it's, it's, you know, I don't know if I would say it's as good as Dedicated uh, was last year. Um, I, I really, really liked Dedicated. Not as much as Emotion. Um, but the crazy thing about Emotion Side B was, like, that those songs were basically, like, that EP is basically as good as the original Emotion album was. Um, here with, with dedicated side B, it's a 12, uh, 12 song record. So it's like basically a full length record. Um, you know, a lot of great, uh, uh, producers on here. You got Jack Antonoff, of course, uh, of bleachers, uh, who even features on a track as bleachers. Um, you know, Devante Hines, who's blood orange. Um, right. That yeah. Is, yeah. Awesome. Um, and he's, he's done, uh, He's done some producing with, with her in the past. Um, so yeah, there's like some really good names on this. Um, and it's, it's just a, it's a really fun record. Um, some of my favorites on here, uh, Summer Love, which kind of almost has like a sort of Tame Impala-y cool. kind of sound to it. Like, you know, like the, the Currents era Tame Impala kind of sound. Right. Um, you know, this is all very 80s inspired, you know, synth pop right um the same stuff that she's been doing for a handful of years now um it's great uh not not again not too much to say about it again it only came out a couple days ago so i haven't had uh, you know an immense amount of time to to devote to it but 
more Colorado Jepson is, is a great thing. Uh, put in my order for the uh, Urban Outfitters exclusive uh, vinyl of it, oh, yeah. of course, um, which is a nice sky blue pressing, um, <laughs> which I think sold out like immediately, basically, of course. So, um, yeah, I'm in love with it, as awesome. always, you know. I hope she keeps putting out, you know, really stellar B-sides collections. Right, like, that's yeah. That's super cool. It's, it's uh, again, just like it's, it's a testament to Charlie XCX's, you know, pop prowess that she can make an album in a month and a half like it's great that Carly Rae Jepsen can make an album and then like have all this leftover stuff that is just as good as the original uh, album was um, yeah she just is a really good pop singer and, and writer and works with a, with a great uh, selection of producers it's awesome uh, yeah. if you were to give it a score um off the bat probably like an eight yeah. It's very easy to give uh, a very positive score to Carly Rae Jepsen for me. She, uh, it's it's kind of hard for her to miss at this point. I think it's awesome. Um, so yeah, very very happy about this one. Yeah. Now I'm going to talk about one of my favorites in the world, <laughs> pop music. Uh, a band I never expected to like ever. Uh, and Sim- similar, so, similar to how I yeah. never expected to like Carly Rae Jepsen. I, um, yeah, absolutely, this is sort of the B to uh, the B side to Michael's <laughs> A side here. With uh, talking about artists that we kind of never expected to like, um, so I was very excited this Friday. Uh, Notes on a Conditional Forum, the new ni- album by the 1975, came out. Um, I never liked the 1975. I actually still am not really a fan of their first two records. Sure. It's just, I, I'm not really interested in what they were doing on those two albums. But um, their last album, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships, which came out at the end of 2018, mm-hmm. um, really floored me. It was a record that I thought had some really great songs on it, great singles. Um, initially, and then it's an album that I, I just really grew on me a lot the more and more I listened to it uh, throughout 2019. Um, and even tracks that I was maybe a little bit kind of ambivalent towards or just thought were okay really grew on me a lot, and I really grew to like appreciate what they were doing on that album. It, to me, that album sort of sounds like a very popular band that has really good taste that is making like really making their version of like you know like accessible pop music that's inspired by like a lot of like sort of 90s British rock give way even to like more modern stuff um like I just hear that a lot in their music and that's like really why I like kind of gravitate towards them and think like what they're doing is really interesting because I feel like in terms of of pop music and like bands in pop like they kind of do something that's a bit more a bit more different a bit more like off the cuff from like what you would usually get from the band of like their their prowess right stature and I really respect that a lot and you could absolutely say that about their new album um It's 22 tracks long. It's an hour and 20 minutes. It's a mess, but I think that's sort of the point. Um, I feel like just even the sheer length and like amount of tracks that are on this album, I feel like it was a record that was made to be skipped around. And actually, the more that I listened to it, that sort of 
kind of resonates with me. Like, I, I honestly feel like this project was not intended to be listened all the way through. Like, it's something that you kind mm. of skip around and sort of make your own version of, kind of. And I really love that about it because given the amount of tracks and also just what they do stylistically, they do not stick to one thing no. on this album at all. I mean, you have a track like People, which was the first single to come from this. God, I love that song so much. It's basically just like this really dumb, like early two thousands, like sort of like punk amp, like stadium rock song yeah. that just fucking kills. I think it's so <laughs> awesome. And then you have a track like Yeah I Know, which is the seventh track on this, which is it, it sounds like the UK grime artist burial. Like it's just like mm. this very minimal skittering house track there's a track also on here um shiny collarbone which is just straight up a house track yeah there's no maddie healy vocals on it it's just a house song <laughs> and it fucking rules it's so good it's huh. it's really really great and then you have track 10 roadkill which is it honestly sounds like kind of like a really dumb like pop country track that you would hear on like current pop country radio but it's they, they pull it off, actually. Like, it's actually really good. There are some moments, like, like the track The Birthday Party, which was released as a single, that I skip all the time. Um, the... Because I, I, I probably, like... I guess you could say I've listened to this, like, maybe about, like, four times. Like, not yeah. all the way through, but kind sure. of just, like, my, like, you know, my favorites of it, which is a lot. It's a, it's a good majority of the album, given the amount of tracks. But um, I definitely don't think this is for everybody. But I, it's kind of mind blowing to me, like the fact that like a band this popular would be ballsy enough to put out something like this, something that is just so scatterbrained, but just like achieved very well, and like a lot of like very interesting ideas. Mm -hmm. Like it's just so many interesting ideas at play that. For the most part, work, and I think, I, I think overall the experience of this album is pretty great. And it's like it's not as it's not it definitely does not top a brief inquiry in my opinion. But I think, I think I get what they were trying to do on this. Maybe it is all just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and even if it is, like I'm fine with that too because I think like frankly, a band just like taking the piss out of you know having such a big like highly anticipated release like from an album that like garnered them so many more fans yeah. myself included I, I just I kind of like that I kind of like that they did that and even like you know on my first you like listen, that Matt Healy's calling you a, a dumb big American idiot <laughs> he's not doing that it's more so <laughs> I know it, it's more so just uh kind of like paying a lot of like loving homage to like so many genres and just it's I think, like, you know, if you are somebody who is kind of, like, a, a more, like, a music nerd, like, this, there's a lot to pick from this that is, like, super lovable and, like, really cool. And, like, that whole, like, thing of, you know, just how this seems like an album that you, like, kind of have to have your own personal experience with and, like, make your own kind of version of, for lack of a better term, like so obvious with the opening track which is literally called the 1975 and it's Greta Thunberg like 
giving off this diatribe about climate change yeah. and da 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 da. And my first listen, I was actually getting in, like severely impatient listening to it because it's like <laughs> I want to know what this album sounds like. Yeah. I want to know if these guys are like you know if a brief inquiry is just kind of a flash in the pan, if this is actually great. Like, I was getting, like, almost physically, like, <laughs> upset listening to that. And then it just sunk in with me. It's like, that's... I think that's what they were going for. They knew, like, what they had. And also, I mean, I know Maddie Healy is friends with Greta, yada, yada, yada. There was, like, this very, very pretentious interview that he gave with Pitchfork saying about how, you know her words needed to be captured on a record <laughs> all that shit it's it's uh, it's funny and like i kind of like that about that this album too is that i feel like it is pretty self-aware and even if it's not that's sort of hilarious that's what i want to know you most know? from this album is like do they know like is this sincere or is it like legitimately them like pulling one off on us you know, I know. like because like it's crazy because like the 1975 with their first two records were like they more or less became the biggest band in the world, right? Like, one of yeah. the biggest bands in Especially the world. Especially like, the second like, one. Like, just playing, you know, the biggest, uh, you, you know, uh, stage shows across the, the world. Like, you know, I'm sure they probably headlined Coachella or Lollapalooza or all these different things. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure they would have headlined Lollapalooza this year. Sure. If it happened. Um, and then, you know, Brief Inquiry, I think, was, you know, a bit more, you know, it, it, it grabbed... You know, it kept the older fans, and there was a lot of great, you know, singles off that album. And but it also was way more experimental, and 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 you know, um, did a lot more different things than what was heard previously on the first two albums. So it was, you know, critically lauded, and and you know, grabbed a lot of indie fans, you know, indie music fans. Um, and then here they are with an album that is just so. Um, weird and and yeah. kind of um almost infuriating as even yeah. dan who like loves this album is like it like probably shaking at the fucking intro track to the song that's just literally greta thurnberg talking for five minutes because that track was released before but i never listened to yeah it. like i yeah. steered away actually from a lot there were a shit ton of singles gone mm-hmm. from this the only singles I actually listened to prior to this album coming out were just People and Frail State of Mind, which were the, like, second and third. Hmm. So I avoided Me and You Together song, which I fucking love that song. It's very clear hmm. that this is, like, a... Is that the stone... latest one? Um, I think that was Guys. Okay. That song is pretty great, too. But, like, Me and You Together is, like, kind of the Stone Roses-inspired, like, hmm. very 90s-sounding like, British rock track that I think just very much works. I, like, frankly wish they would have, you know, kind of kept some cohesion and maybe, maybe, just, it in maybe a bit. just made a record like that. Hmm. But the fact that they didn't, that doesn't really hinder my experience with this because I do think they've created an experience. Not necessarily a cohesive one, but a very interesting <laughs> one. Um, I, I don't think this is an album that I will ever view as, like, a masterpiece or something sure. being like super great. I mean, you you said yourself that like you have almost created your own version of it, and yeah, I feel like in the past that's been a detriment to albums. Like I I did that with like you know, the Weekend Starboy, which is like eighteen tracks long. Like these albums that are very bloated and and have like you know the Life of Pablo even, yeah. which has like <clears throat> songs that don't need to be there, and like Kanye wasn't doing his best work. 
And maybe that's sort of even, you know, from your standpoint, maybe even some of the case here, which I think, I don't know, it's interesting to hear you say that you think it's like kind of meant to be that way. Um, Cause that's just a very, that's a very interesting thing if you're making an album as a creator um, and you want people to skip songs or make their own version. It's I know. I, I think that it, it kind of goes either, like, I feel like they're self-aware enough to know that they do have fans that will just listen to this, like, all the way through, but I also feel like it is kind of created in a sense where it's sort of like single it like kind of like files out their fan base a little bit mm-hmm. like for what they have now so like where I, I do kind of it sort of reads to me like that was maybe the intent I'm probably just like putting yeah. too much stock into it it for more or less probably was meant to just be this like collection of tracks that is like sort of like resembles like a weird playlist kind yeah. of but yeah I, I just sort of get that just from listening to this like it just reads to me being that way mm-hmm. and I, I really like that about it you know like it doesn't necessarily feel like you know extra strong extra songs thrown on for you know for streams sure, like it, kind sure. Of, it, it just yeah. sort of feels like you know this is how this was supposed to be it's like they just ran wild with whatever they wanted to do and like mm-hmm. it shows definitely in terms of like the genres that they pull from on this. I mean, the fact that there is, like, this many, like, house-inspired songs on this thing, and there's at least, like, five of them, it's like, that's kind of crazy. Like, I never would have expected that, and for me, like, that's a genre that I heavily gravitate towards, and that's kind of some of my favorite moments on the album, Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting record. I I don't think it's... I, I feel like... If you've never really cared about this band before, like this is not going to do you any any favors, and this might make you hate like hate them even more. Um, but if you liked a brief inquiry and you know thought what they were doing on that record was interesting, give this a shot. I mean, you like, I feel like some people may even like this more. In all honesty, I feel like the diverseness of this album and um, just the scatterbrainedness of this record might resonate with people more like i think like maybe because like it is just so it's such a ballsy record like it's but um and yeah obviously if you're a fan of them if you're like a diehard fan i'm sure you're gonna love the fuck out of this even the (laughs) weird unnecessary kind of cringy attempts at country that they (laughs) attempt on this album you're probably gonna like eat it up regardless i mean i like that one song roadkill i think that song actually is like a moment on that where it works and it's like (laughs) this is actually like a pretty pretty great song but it's just it's an interesting record like i i would not say this is like best of the year but i think just due to its sheer ambition and i mean there's a lot of tracks on here that i really like i I have to sit at like a light eight on it. Huh? Like I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very good. I think it's it's a very interesting follow up, and I'm I'm still on board. I'm still on the 1975 okay. train. I hope they put out something <laughs> way more focused next time, and that like has. I mean, like definitely experiment around, do some different, tap into sure. some different genres. But something a bit more cohesive would be very nice. But this weird ass album, this weird ass like pl- like playlist from the most pretentious art school kid <laughs> of all time is a very interesting record. Um, and 
it's, it's like this was a very anticipated record for me, but it, I don't think it like met those expectations. But it more so like I'm intrigued by the results. Right. It's, I think it's a pretty cool record. If anything, it's never what you could have expected. Oh yeah, it, it more it, like very much averted my expectations. Yeah. I was not <laughs> expecting this at all, and yeah. it's like, but overall, like I think it's it's an impressive effort. I really like it. Yeah, it's probably never something I'm going to listen to all the way through, um, just to be honest. Like, That's fair. I mean, uh, like, there's <laughs> a lot of... I'm going to actually count right now, like, like tracks that I genuinely like out of... Um, like, or that I genuinely feel, like, make for a, you know, cohesive, cohesive experience. Sure. Um, I actually had a, a friend who is, like, a, a fair 1975 fan who sent me his list of, like... Okay, if you don't want to listen to the full album for an hour and twenty minutes, like here's like twelve or thirteen tracks that like, this is a good set list for this album, um, and that's fair. Um, I think uh, yeah, it's about like we're just gonna give an estimate because there's like some tracks in the, like admittedly in the later half of the album I have not really spent too much time with. Sure, but we're like we're looking at like. 13 to 15 yeah. tracks out of 22 which so probably, probably down to like a 50 minute album or yeah. so which is like a fine number yeah I will say though you need to listen to tonight and in parentheses I wish I was your boy that huh. song is so great okay. that's like my favorite song on that album mm-hmm. it's, it's so good I think you would love it actually okay. it's like that is like some perfect pop it's really great i really liked um if you're too shy let me know yeah uh, which was one of the singles that came out before which sounds when i think of the 1975 and when i've thought of the 1975 in the past especially with their first few records like that's that was the 1975 sound was this very like 80s inspired uh like glam kind of pop rock right Mm -hmm. um that's kind of what I expect from them, but um, that's not really what this album is. But I'll definitely um, give uh, at least you know if if you want to send me your version over yeah. or whatever, um, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Just not in its full uh, yeah. full length. Yeah, it's yeah. I I know you would definitely not mess with like a lot of those. <laughs> Honestly, like a lot, a lot of the tracks that I'm pretty indifferent towards, I feel like you would yeah. outright hate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you listen to that song, The Birthday Party, but no. like, I just cannot stomach it. It is like, because that is like a more like country tinged track. Sure. And it's just like, oh man. <laughs> and, and like, it's, it's so funny. Like, I get what they're doing. They're making this song. The tr- title, The Birthday Party, actually is in reference to, um, you know, Nick Cave. Yeah. He had a band called The Birthday Party, mm-hmm. and, like, it's, like, this sort of, like, you know, podunk country track, like, where they're talking about that band, and so it's, like, okay, you're, like, you know, doing this, like, sort of typically uncool thing, and, like, you're <laughs> referencing this, like, underground art, like, I get yeah. what you're doing. That also kind of makes me dislike the song even more, because it's just, like, ugh. But, <laughs> but um... Yeah, like, tracks like that, I feel like you would not really like. Okay. But, um, yeah, like, a lot of those, like, more kind of, like, mid-80s, 90, early 90s inspired, like, Britpop tracks. Yeah. There's, like, a handful of them on here I think you'd okay. really like a cool. lot. Like, Then Because She Goes, which is the eighth track, I think you'd really like that. Right. It's just, like, you know, very simple, jangle, indie pop. It's, like, some of my favorite moments on cool. the album, for sure. Again, I kind of wish they 
would just make a record like that <laughs> because like that would be really I think that'd be really cool to hear them just kind of go in that direction. Yeah. But yeah, and then so we got this gigantic this thing. thing that I like a lot. It's yeah. cool. I'll be listening to it a lot. I, it'll be interesting. I'll be interested to see if this grows on me in any capacity. I, I don't know. I, I, as of right now, I kind of doubt it. Like, <laughs> giving it the listens that I have, I'm kind of just sitting at the same feeling on it. But I mean, it's hard yeah. to grow too much more from an eight. Like an eight is That's a really true. good score. I'll, you know. And there is in no lifetime where I could see myself giving this a nine or ten. <laughs> so. There you go. Uh, maybe you'll hate it more. Uh, yeah. um, but yeah. Um, as, as long as that's the, the end of your thoughts on the new 1975, I think that's about as much as we can say about music over the last yeah. few weeks. It's um, been a lot to address in the last couple of weeks. It's been a great two weeks for music. Yeah. Um, has it been a great uh, return for a particular director that I forgot the name of at the beginning of the show? <laughs> Do you remember it still? Josh or? Train. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Do you remember what movie he made <laughs> <laughs> before Fantastic uh, Four? Uh, Chronicle? Chronicle, that's go. the one. Not, not Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Not Cloverfield, uh, which was my flub at the beginning of the episode, if you heard that. Uh, apologies to J.J. Abrams. He's the guy. He did Cloverfield, right? Yeah. At some point, it's like, not even I apologies to J.J. Abrams at this did. point, because, like, fuck J.J. Abrams at this point, honestly. Right. Um, and, um, oh boy, fuck Josh Trank, but we'll get into it in a minute yeah. here. We're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to be talking about the new Josh Trank joint. Capone. Stay tuned. Following the final days of the infamous Chicago gangster as he succumbs to dementia, Capone follows Tom Hardy gargling, spitting, and shitting his way through a bunch of incoherent dream sequences for an hour and 40 minutes, generating moderate attention being the first film in five years from director Josh Trank, you know, the guy that made the last Fantastic Four movie. Is Capone a return to form for the promising young director? Or should Trank go back into hiding, never to be seen again, writing letterbox reviews for movies instead of actually making them? Well, Michael, what do you think? Um, I think it's fair to say Josh Trank probably doesn't deserve a career in Hollywood, at least. Um, no. Again, at the start of the show, as much as I flubbed it and said that he made Cloverfield <laughs> and that I liked that movie, I don't actually like Cloverfield. I like Chronicle. Uh, which was was his debut film, which kind of catapulted him into the stratosphere of like being this very young, you know, kind of hip uh, Hollywood filmmaker. And much like Cloverfield, it's a film if you haven't seen it about you know these three teenagers yeah. who gain superpowers, and it's done in a found footage style sure. where yeah. they're you know testing out their powers for the first time and you know basically an Akira remake yeah. with like superheroes I guess it's a cool uh, film it's it's yeah. a lot of fun it's uh it takes that you know that style which is pretty worn out by this point sure um, yeah I can't really think of a but it was found it was, footage movie that's like really you know resonated as much as like that has in the last couple of years yeah um it came out at the right time yeah. for that style like 2012 uh, 2012 and um it was also like at the kind of at the the height of both of the you know superhero movie and uh found footage genres the right like, it was the kind avengers of, came right out. it was kind of like old. perfect melding of those two worlds into a Akira ripoff. That's like kind of pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then that gave him the opportunity to make Fantastic Four for Fox, 
Uh, it's very ironic we talked about Zack Snyder and studio interference, which allegedly Josh Trank has claimed until he's like blue in the face, even you know, writing a letterbox review yeah. of the movie that he made that the movie was supposed to be something entirely different. It was supposed to be this Cronenberg-esque body horror movie that had the Fantastic Four and was supposed to be just this altogether different take, um, which I could never, ever see Fox and Marvel like greenlighting <laughs> right. something like that, especially you know with the Fantastic Four. I would have loved to have gotten that yeah, movie if that really was cool. actually the intent. That would have been very interesting. Um... But the my, my, you're, you're gonna say that the Fantastic Four isn't a good movie. <laughs> I'm going to say it's uh, it's probably the room of comic book films mm. of uh, you know superhero films. It is uh, really awkward, bad acting, w- coupled with just hilarious editing and just a very very like incoherent you know, non-existent script, it's yeah. it's a mess. And apparently uh, Josh Trank in, like, you know, the middle of filming that was, you know, I think, like, using alcohol during yeah, the filming. Yeah, pretty problematic. Like, yeah, it was, was not being good to, like, a lot of people on staff. It just was a clusterfuck of a movie, and I think should be experienced by all. Because it's definitely, <laughs> like, I, I love movies that are so bad that you like it makes you like appreciate really good sure. films even more because like you see how you could have a big budget and like a huge studio behind something and for something like that to turn out the way it does it's almost just bewildering and like that movie is just so entertaining because of that because it is just a it's like how how was this actually made like how was this filmed how did this actually get released in the theater it's like it's it's that caliber like that's the type yeah. of movie that Frank left behind unfortunately in terms of his, his career that was right. the last time we heard from him so when I heard that he was doing this film about Al Capone with Tom Hardy you know, being so away from that, you know, from, you know, big studio. He, this, yeah. this film is put out by uh, Redbox, unfortunately. <laughs> who, uh, a studio that gave us the fanatic. Yeah. Fred Durst, Magnum Listeners Opus. of the show may remember our uh, our reactions to the fanatic. Um, <laughs> starring, starring good old John Travolta as a moose. Um, oh we, I, I was very intrigued by this project. I, I was hoping going into this that uh, Josh Trank would prove himself to be a director with a very unique vision and mm-hmm. would give us a film that is, you know, just very interesting. I wanted it to be something that, you know, he, he is really experimenting and right. showing right. his, like, flexing his creative muscles and, you know, giving an actor like Tom Hardy to play the lead, it's like, that's great also. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I'm beginning to question Tom Hardy <laughs> a lot after after watching this film yeah. because Michael brought up a really good point um, after we watched this that Tom Hardy might be a little overrated because the last the last couple films that he's been in ever since Mad Max he's kind yeah, of been this have, very soft spoken mumbly um, doesn't really know where he's at or what he's, what is going on kind he, of character kind in of, a lot of these movies. I feel like he's kind of become an actor that is banked off of the goodwill that he's received from like really great performances yeah. he's given in the past, like Bronson. 
or I mean, hell, even like him in a movie like Mad Max, he wasn't necessarily like acting his ass off. It's yeah, more so he's that fun. It's just yeah. a great movie. Really, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it bolsters his, you know, his name because right. he's attached to such a phenomenal, well-loved movie like that. Right, and yeah, and then he's been in you know films like Legend, which I thought was an utter turd. <laughs> uh, Dunkirk, which I think is super overrated, and also yeah. just sort of a thing where he happened to be in a film that you know is pretty lauded, and right? Like, well, but like love, but even in... actually, it's just it's just five minutes of him sitting in a cockpit, exactly, like, exactly. floating yeah. through the air. And then like Venom is like a similar situation <laughs> where he's it's it's kind of just not not similar to Dunkirk, but just like this character that's like just poorly written and he doesn't really have too much to do in terms of like actual acting and i will say he adds to that movie because of how hammy he is like mm, he sure. really just is having fun with it and is being ridiculous and that's 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 cool but i mean that doesn't necessarily you know propel venom and his performance into yeah. being anything really great so it throws a lot of things in the question but going back to josh trank yeah. Uh, Not much to question the, here. I, I think I actually maybe like the Fantastic Four more than this movie. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was just saying to Dan before we got on that I think I like the Fanatic more than this movie. Yeah. Like, the Fanatic, while definitely not as well made, I'm sure, like, it, it, it's kind of incoherent in different ways and then much less, you know... Josh Trank is probably a, a much better filmmaker than, than Fred Durst. Um... <laughs> Obviously, this movie looks better. Yes, definitely, fanatic, um, and and has has more interesting sequences, I guess, um, than the fanatic could ever even hope to have. Uh, but in terms of just like sitting down with Dan and, and watching a film together, just like you know, the fanatic was like a good time. Somehow, yeah. like it was, it's a terrible movie. I would never want to watch it by myself. It would be like a you know, like you wouldn't have fun. It's it's a, an experience to be had with multiple people. Um, and so it, it's kind of, it has that, like, the room quality, where it's just so bad it's good, almost. Um, Capone, on the other hand, is, like, just bad. It's just bad. Like, um, going back to Fantastic Four and, you know, saying how there's bad films where you're kind of in awe about, like, how this was made, uh -huh. this is a bad film where the reaction is, why did I even watch this? Right. And that's that's not a good experience. Right. Um, and this film is not a good experience. And, and I, I, like Dan said, like, I was very interested in seeing, you know, I was willing to give, I've never actually seen Fantastic Four, but I was willing to give Josh Trank another chance after, like, how just how bad that movie was handled, how it was made. Um, I actually thought that that letterboxed uh, review that he did of Fantastic Four was kind of it was very interesting and it gave kind of like an inside look uh, from his perspective into the making of that film and like what's come from that uh, since. Um, and it's been five years. That you know he was a young filmmaker and he's grown up. You know he's in like his mid thirties now and it was like okay like maybe. He's learned a lot from big Hollywood, and, you know, he's ready and willing to make, like, a, a smaller film, you know, more intimate and, and um, introspective kind of film. And this movie is kind of... The Capone, it, it was... It's very... Uh, it's kind of, uh, you know... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was kind of, like, put out as, like, a film that's going to be, you know, this introspective kind of interesting look at... A character uh, study. A, a, a character study yeah. at a, a different 
version of like Al Capone than you've Which, ever seen before. I love that idea on paper of getting the last days of Al Capone, yeah. but also the fact that he's you know suffering from dementia, and you know is imagining all these interesting things and bits of his life playing out. Right. That's a great idea. And in the hands of a better filmmaker could have been a great film, right? But like here, um, as the as we watch Capone and this movie is billed as like the last year of his life, um, as he's he's um, gotten out of prison. Uh, he was he went to prison for whatever tax evasion or whatever they got him for, whatever it was. Um, but now he's living in Florida in like the late 40s or something. Um, he's you know, very old, very downtrodden. Obviously, prison, the prison time really affected him. He has dementia now, um, can barely really take care of himself. Um, and it, this could have been a movie where, like, a lot of dream sequences and, like, him seeing, you know, uh, his mobster buddies or, like, rivals from the past. Like, it could have been a, it could have made for a very interesting watch. Um, uh, but here with, with, uh, under Josh Trank's supervision, uh, which he wrote and directed, and I think even and edited. edited. So um, this is like entirely it's all Josh Trank. Basically, Trank's him. Um, this movie is is it's hard to even follow at times. It's hard to discern between what is being seen for real and what is imagined by Capone. Um, but even outside of like the idea of a character being in in you know, uh, not so much of a, a, a good narrator or, you know, like not being able to trust what you're seeing on screen. It makes sense when, when a character, when you're with that character and you see him kind of moving throughout these like dreamy, you know, places and, and, you know, seeing weird things. Um, but there are points in this movie where, the entire thing, like entire scenes feel unreal yeah. um, and then in retrospect when you find out some of the characters that he's interacting with are not real like literally doesn't make any sense it's at, also just not interesting and it, yeah and it's not like, interesting it, it, like you're given these scenarios where it's like very clear that this is you know not actually happening this is you know maybe a subconscious or just like a dream or something that he's imagining happening but it doesn't necessarily do anything to like pull you in for it to be like an experience or mm -hmm. like a ride or like to you know throw you on this crazy journey of like you know how is this gonna break like how are we gonna get back to reality yeah. it's more so just like this is going on right. and like, on like and the scene that you're probably pointing to maybe is that scene where he's walking through the crowd like yeah. that like you know I don't know what it is like a New Year's really party New Year's or something party. Um, and it's it's actually it's an obvious one of those obvious scenes where you know this is a dream like obviously this isn't happening um, but it's an interesting idea it's one of the more it's one of the better scenes of this film, but at the same time, like you said, it, it just drags on, and it's, like, so pointless by the end of it. Um, but on the flip side of that, there are, like, all these scenes where he's um, speaking with this this uh, former colleague or friend or, or, you know, I don't even really know the relationship between him and Matt Sorry, Dillon's Matt character. Dillon's, yeah. um, I, I think they were cohorts or something. Um, but, like, all of those scenes which you find out and you know whatever spoilers don't watch this movie anyways yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna spoil this minor bit uh, that this Matt Dillon character ends up being uh, in his imagination and there are literal full scenes in this movie where 
Capone is out on a boat with this guy, and it's one for no reason, but two like it's it's never even alluded to that this could be fake at the moment that it's happening. Like it it just doesn't make any sense why yeah. you saw this. And then like even more than that, the part where he first calls up Matt Dillon's character and Matt Dillon's character is like having sex with this woman what that doesn't that just makes no sense that he would be calling this character that's having sex with this woman like it just doesn't make it just doesn't make sense it doesn't um i just don't understand it that's not how filmmakers make dream sequences or these imaginative characters that are supposed to feel like it just it, it it's like pulling the rug out from under the audience in this weird way for a twist that doesn't matter in the end yeah. because none of this movie like even like none of this movie matters like it really does by the end of this movie it, it, you've gained no insight into capone really like at all like outside of the fact that he was very fucked up by the end of his life which is deserved like right it's it's like not an it's not interesting in like like a way that you can be like sympathetic to the character or empathetic to the character it's just like you're watching this disheveled old dirty <laughs> disgusting old man like shit himself like literally shit himself multiple times in this movie yes um it's it's mind-boggling it is i i suppose for some people that have reacted positively to this movie i guess it is interesting in the facet that you know you get this pretty much near mythological character of al capone sure. deconstructed in such a way where he is the, like he's not this you know powerful man he is broken down to the most you know bare version of himself i guess that could be interesting <laughs> for some viewers but the way it's achieved is just not no. it's not done well and I, I I feel like almost Josh Trank was kind of trying to go in a sort of I get from like a lot of these sequences in this movie that he was he was really trying to go for almost like Lynchian version sure. of like Al Capone's psyche yeah. and it just it's kind of embarrassing like it's just the way it ends up being achieved is yeah. just not good <laughs> it, it feels like somebody who is like you know watched a couple david lynch movies and was like oh this is my guy like i love him i want to mm-hmm. try to make a movie like him like what if he made a movie about al capone and then <laughs> here comes this movie like and it, it's that's just not something i would ever want to watch and no. it's yeah it just ended up being another disappointment um and I'm really glad that uh, <laughs> if there's one positive to come from theater shutting down, I'm glad we didn't. I don't know if any <laughs> theater would have shown yeah. this, but I'm yeah, glad I that wonder. we didn't actually go to a theater to watch right. this. Real like I feel like this it. movie would have had enough behind it to have gotten I think so too. at least a limited theater release, right? I like, absolutely think so. Tom Hardy is a huge name. There's some other big names in this. Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah. Points Twin to your Gates, David Lynch, yeah. Lynchian uh, and inspirations. Matt Dillon, um, Linda Cardellini. We love her. Um, and a score by LP, by LP. Of, of Run the Jewels, um, which is the Legendary. most non-existent film <laughs> soundtrack I've ever heard. Legendary, you know, underground hip-hop artist LP, yeah. He basically is, like, I was so excited to hear like what he yeah. had. I was expecting a lot of, like, you know, distorted, crazy... Uh, instrument not, not like obviously not hip-hop instrumentals but something that like you know would create like a lot of tension and mood sure. and you know be kind of like bombastic 
it's just like the faintest like little twinkles of piano maybe just like holding down a note on a keyboard to create just like ambient noise it's it's minimal i guess that's cool but it's not it's so minimal it's like air like Like, why get lp to do this why get like i feel like josh trank could have done this i feel like anybody (laughs) with like very like minimal skills and like you know just like maybe like playing keys could like make the score right right right. to this film um which is so sad because lp is like a phenomenal producer like Uh, yeah he's he makes some incredible music he has Um, such a distinctive crisp style yeah everything that he does and yeah there's and and sure like yes it has to be different from what you know him from like obviously like he wouldn't put hip-hop beats over capone although maybe like maybe that could have made for this was a different this was a different movie and like had a different director maybe it could have been like a way cooler experience but like what we have here is just it's just an abject <laughs> failure on like everyone's part. I'm just thinking of Tom Hardy because there are many times where the dialogue from Tom Hardy in this movie is just him going. I'm just imagining that with like. We haven't even talked about how just incomprehensible Tom Hardy's. Like voices. We need, to dig, like, we like, need to dig in on his performance. Tom, another thing that like makes Tom Hardy Tom Hardy is like he's a very mumbly actor. Like yeah. throughout his entire career, like even from like Bane, like from Bane on, like it's hard to understand him sometimes. Even in Mad Max, it's hard to understand the what he's saying. Like the Red Redman is like right. And here, it's somehow like the worst of all of them. And I guess it's probably I would assume it's true to the actual you know capone uh mm. by this time in his life but like he is so 50 percent of the time i had no idea what he was saying he's literally just like gargling and trying to talk the whole time in this like very gravelly uh, deep voice that's just yeah it's impossible to understand half the time yeah um but even outside like at the same time it's like his dialogue is so piss poor um and and basically non-existent for a lot of this movie um it's, all of the care like all the characters are non-existent in this movie it's it's just so and yeah it's another thing wow. where it's like that that should have been good that should have been something that you know it's like wow you know he's struggling to even speak he's just like you know sitting around going just like spinning, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah right basically and, this is, and most of this movie he has a cigar in his mouth at the same time or a, or a carrot gets upgraded to a carrot <laughs> later on um, which is so ridiculous but um i mean yeah i it's something that should have been captivating but it just is another thing that just sucks all the air out of this movie because yeah. it just is not engaging at all no like it's interesting at all um it's um, I'm it's actually, just, it's I'm, just actually hilarious. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. His performance is so over the top that it, it, it made me laugh like a few times while yeah. watching this, which should not have been the intent or like not have been happened. You right. Know? Um, I actually I see here that um, on the Wikipedia page it says it was originally intended to have a theatrical release, <laughs> which like oh yikes, jeez. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. Just what a, it's just such a, it's such a slog in the movie. It's just kind of a miserable experience. Um, I, 
will not be looking forward to anything that Josh Craig does in the future. Yeah. I mean, unless it gets rave reviews, which apparently right. this has got kind of middle of the road. Yeah, reviews. I'm I'm surprised at like the forty something percent that it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Cause, and I and I follow film critics on Twitter that there was one that was just like raving about this movie, and I like was. And and they even prefaced it with like you know like this movie is very weird it's very different um, it's not going to be your average mob movie which it's definitely not um, but I just I don't even understand I don't understand what there is at all to grasp from this movie um, and I like a lot of I like all sorts of different you know genres of films and then different artsy kind of movies and this movie is just like uh, someone who's definitely not an artful filmmaker trying to be, uh, you know, some sort of auteur and, mm-hmm. and make something that is, is way outside their wheelhouse. Um, that was really the movie I was hoping we would get. Yeah. It's like Josh Trank, the auteur. Right. And like, you know, maybe this would like kickstart like that era of his career and that he could, you know, bounce back from the embarrassment of, you know, being attached to a movie like Fantastic Four, but now it's just something that's probably more embarrassing in all yeah. honesty. Um, am I going to do some spoilers? Do you want to give a score first? Do we need to go into the spoilers? I don't want to talk about some scenes. There's yeah? some scenes that I think okay. are pretty dumb. Like one or two. Sure. Okay, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I would... Um, I'm going to give this a, a, a two. Yeah. I, it's a two. It's I'm, a very, very bad movie. I'm sitting at one notch higher. I'd give this a three out of ten. <laughs> hmm. Not the most glowing review no. of all time. No, definitely not. Uh, I... Will, though, encourage people to watch it, because I want to know how other people can see this sure. thing, in all honesty. Sure. Um, I, I hope our negative reactions maybe make you more curious, <laughs> just because I would, yeah, I would just genuinely like to hear how other people react to this, like, if you also think that this is, like, ridiculous, or if you actually see some merit in this, and, like, see it as something that, you know, is special, but... That's I don't even know. Yeah, I would love to meet that person that feels that way about this. But yeah, uh, Capone spoilers. Um, I mean, I just wanted to talk about the ridiculous ass like finale to this movie. Oh yeah, where it's basically Capone having like one last uh, killing spree, yeah, I guess, yeah. at his retirement home, like killing his family <laughs> and people that work on his. His, you know, his house. Just, like, and bodyguards and, and, you know... Um, like, the whole movie is, is him kind of freaking out because he thinks that the FBI is wiretapping him and, and trying to figure out where he supposedly hid $10 million. That's um, a, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Is the whole, like, very, very lazy, shoehorned-in fbi yeah spying on him plot which that just kind of, like, peeks in every which, once in Which, a while. like, seems like it should be the most... Um, prevalent part of this movie kind of the driving force behind this but it is like so it seems so shoehorned in um but yeah that that final sequence or or one of the final sequences here where uh capone and they allude to it earlier on i think like his his tommy gun that he has still um and he's been like fighting with this this yard worker at his house um because he doesn't want him to touch some priceless uh you know kind of greek statue thing that's in his yard um and he like after like all these like spouts with him uh we, we come across 
the, the we follow the uh, the yard worker walking into like you know this one one room and Capone's standing there and he turns around with the Tommy gun and it's it, a gold Tommy it's gun, gold I Tommy mean. gun and it, it like cuts and then it, it you know comes back later with like all of the you know we're we're seeing the bodyguards and all of his like friends or whatever who are like hearing these gunshots and they go to rush over to find out what's happening and Capone is walking through uh, just mowing down all these people. Um, and people who, like, are his bodyguards, I suppose, um, who have guns that they could definitely shoot him with, too, but, like, this is obviously, like, a dream sequence, um, and he's, like, it's just, like, such a, I think he has the carrot in his mouth during the sequence, too. He does. Uh, it's, and he's walking around in a, uh, a robe and, and a diaper because he, earlier on in the film, he starts shitting himself in bed, so they have to start, uh, dressing him in diapers, um, it's just such a well, like, what am I watching? Like, like, what is even happening? The shitting, the shitting in the bed scene is maybe the most effective scene because it's so <laughs> gross. It is just like a, a splatter house. It's so oh gross. Oh my god! There's it's so much shit in that bed. <laughs> it's like it's like the scene from Godfather where they they yeah. unveil the the Horse horse's head. head underneath the the sheets. Yeah. But it, except it's Capone lying in his own shit. Um, wow. It's horrific. It, um, that that scene stuck out with me more than any yeah, other scene. Yeah. And that's not the only time he shits himself during this movie. There's no. the, the scene where um, some FBI agent, I forget, you know, the context behind it, um, is doing an interview with with Capone and that's right. and his lawyer, who like the the running joke here is that like Capone can't really answer his own questions, mm. and then like he just starts farting. It's like I expected Robert Pattinson to come out and be like, "You goddamn farts!" Um, I wish, but that would be a better movie. Um, <laughs> Uh, of the movies battling for best farts, the lighthouse easily handily beats Capone. Um, it's not even a fair fight. Not even. But um, yeah, this movie is just straight garbage um, all the way through, and will only be remembered for shitting itself. Pretty much. Um, and Josh Trank really shitting his own bed here, I think. Absolutely. It's kind of it's kind of a very fitting movie for for his career, I think. Unfortunately, as hard as it is to, to, um, I might have to bury him in the back here. Uh, shot him with my Tommy gun. Uh, with your gold. With my gold Tommy gun. Uh, but yeah, that's um, like Dan said. Unless, unless like his next movie is like some very critically lauded like success or something. Um, I just I don't think I'll ever give time to Josh Trank's movies in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad, but. This movie was god awful, and as far as I know, like a passion project for him, and something that he wrote, directed, and edited. Like the, no studio involvement. Like this was his movie, his vision. This is what we got. This is Josh Trank boiled down to Josh Trank. Like it's not good. It's not it's good. It's not good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's yeah. sad, but. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it maybe should have been a little expected, just you know, given. Yeah, I, I was. Record. I wanted to give him like, I, benefit I really of the doubt, right? Yeah, like with, with how much the vitriol and and the studio involvement that occurred with Fantastic Four, as much as that movie is dog shit, I was expecting this movie to be at least decent, at least like mediocre, at the least. 
Right. Um, but it is just straight up bad. Like, very, very bad. We gotta, we gotta watch Fantastic Four now. Yeah, so yeah. So you can finally see it. I haven't seen it since theaters. Let's mm-hmm. see if we'll compare the two. See if we had more yeah. enjoyable. I'm sure it will be a much more enjoyable movie. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I got to say on on this one. I think. Those are your thoughts on Capone. Uh, don't watch it, but maybe do. Because again, I'm curious for your takes on on this film. And, yeah. You know, if you actually think that this is something worthwhile, but trust us, it is not. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to wrap up this week's episode. We are closing out this week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra, but as always, we're doing it with some shout-outs. Michael, you got any shout-outs this week? Yeah, um, I'm going to shout-out, and it's something I mentioned last week, which was um, a new game that I bought. Uh, not a new game, but new to me, uh, which is... Um, oh, why am I playing? Uh, Sayonara... Yeah, Wild Hearts. Yeah, Sign Our Wild Hearts. I totally blank on the name of that. Wow, look at both of us blanking <laughs> on names today. Um, Sign Our Wild Hearts, which is a indie game uh, that's come to... I, it, I believe it was originally on PC, and I think it's on phones, actually. Um, and it came to Switch and PS4 at a later date. But I picked it up, it was on sale. I think it might still be on sale for about uh, $10 on Switch right now. Um, it's a really phenomenal... Uh, very short it's like only about like an hour long um but it's uh basically like a visual album uh that you kind of play through um in sort of like a runner-esque kind of game you know like a like a temple run or like you know those kind of games where you're you know third person behind the back of a character they're moving straight forward um and you kind of just move left to right um as you're picking up these uh hearts that are on the play field and you're trying to dodge um different things um, but it's very, like, just visually appealing. The soundtrack is great. It's, like, this very synth, uh, synth-pop style um, that, you know, it's, like, four to, it's like about four levels um, in each section, and then it crescendos with, like, a, a track that has uh, lyrics in it and vocals. This, like, you know, uh, female singer comes on, and um, those tracks are really great, those, those parts of the game. Um, but, yeah, it's only, like, about like an hour hour worth of time but it's definitely worth it um definitely something that i continue to want to go back to um i haven't yet but the game in your first run through is split up into levels so each level is about like a minute or two each song um but uh once you beat the game you're able to play it all in in an entire album form so you can play through without the breaks between levels so like you know originally it would like break between levels and you pick the next level and go on from there uh but they have like this this album feature where you can play it like straight through from point a to point b it's really cool. um and it yeah again it just has like this really great neon um great look to it uh really stylish uh some really cool different gameplay styles that they you know uh put to place there and different mechanics um very fun great album even um yeah can't recommend it enough it's a great game I played a little bit of that game and i really love it a yeah. lot it's awesome i've been meaning to pick that up since i tried it which like probably was maybe like december or january yeah it's been out a while for the first time and yeah yeah that's a really cool game really really cool game like unlike anything else really and in, in that way um super cool yeah i'm gonna shout out um this band and album that I kind of just came about by happenstance and is like 
probably one of my favorite albums of the year. Uh, it's this band called Sorry. They're from the UK, and uh, their album is called 925, or it's like 925. Um, great album. I've been listening to that like a shit ton in the last week. I bought it last Sunday. Um, and yeah, it's like I would describe it sort of as just sort of like experimental indie pop. Um, sort of by way of like garage rock I think like if you are into like you know it's not as like boisterous as something like the yeah yeah yeahs but like sort of like in that same vein of like that kind of like it very much harkens back to like early 2000s like garage rock of that era but with like a more contemporary modern indie pop tinge to it it's Sounds great stuff cool. yeah uh, i recommend that album to everybody it's such like an accessible like universal album in my opinion what I is like, what is the album again uh it'd be it's it's basically just write it out like 925 and okay come up came right across it yeah, yeah it's i think i've uh you posted about this on like instagram or something right like yeah it's, okay it's uh, it's the album that i've been probably the most slept on so far in 2020 because cool. i think it's really really great it's just such a fun record that, Let's check that i feel out. like nobody's really talking about and it deserves a lot of attention yeah i'll definitely have to try uh check this out yeah. Um, Great album. I'm trying to think as for what else I could really shout out here. Um, I rewatched Back to the Future uh, the other day for the first time in, God, probably at least at least five years. I think I I haven't even uh, I had never put it on or marked it in my diary on Letterbox, which I've been on Letterbox since like 2013. Um, so I guess seven years since I last watched Back to the Future, which is my second favorite movie of all time. Um, and that movie just still holds up. It's about to hit its 35th anniversary, uh, mm. I think this, this summer sometime. Um, phenomenal film, if any, you know, obviously I'm sure everyone listening to this has seen Back to the Future. It's just one of those, you know, classics that everyone's seen. Um, still holds up so well to this day. It was kind of impressive how everything just flooded back and I knew like every line of it uh, still to this day and, and just knew, you know, every scene and sequence and everything. It's such a good movie it's just one of those classic just you don't really get a lot of movies like that anymore you know um just like those very straightforward fun adventure um good for the whole family kind of movies you know live action kind of movies like that um yeah that movie's great super cool yeah uh, I'm going to shout out, I read the most recent volume, which came out, um, collected this past Wednesday, uh, Snack Girl, book mm-hmm. by uh, Brian Lee O'Malley and Leslie Hung. Um, great comic. I It's not really my fault. That book has such a bad release schedule yeah. that like it is very hard for me to keep track of when new issues come out. Yeah. Like I think I had the first two issues of this arc, but I... I just completely forgot to read them and then I was totally unaware that the rest came out so volume 3 came out and I'm just like fuck it I'm just gonna buy this I'm not gonna bother tracking down these issues yeah. I'm just gonna have it in one nice little package and that book is still amazing I really love that comic I think this third arc is like maybe like some of the funniest like bits that have happened in that book happened during that arc which I really really loved and like there's like a lot of moments in each issue that almost take on this sort of comic strip-esque like delivery and like how the story progresses which I really love like you almost get like fun little stories happening within one page like it's it's sort of thing like it's not 
like glaring, but like it's, it's a little like nuance to the book that I kind of want to reread the whole series to see if a lot of it was like that. Yeah, and, like I, I really enjoyed that about it. Like it really pulls from pulpy old school romance comics. Hmm. Like I think like more than ever in this arc, and it's it's really great. And just like the way the story progresses along with the. Uh, just like just how like all these characters like they're you know just get like fleshed out even more than they have in other arcs is yeah. just really tremendous and art is absolutely killer and on point yeah. from Leslie Hung like just so so good and uh, yeah I hope we get more from them soon I hope that book continues on I'm looking forward to the fourth arc yeah if it ever comes out. if it ever comes out <laughs> um, I, I looked it up the other day because I just bought the 15th issue uh, which I guess came out in March uh, but I missed it back then um, but yeah just like you I, I haven't read the third volume I think I maybe read the 11th issue but it's been so long because like you said it just has the worst 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 <laughs> Maybe the worst. Maybe it's not Sex Criminals bad. It's not Sex yeah. Criminals bad, but it's like almost as bad as that. Just like the release schedule on this this book. Um, but um, so yeah, I think I've been I've been thinking about giving it a full reread again because God, when did that first second arc come out? Like 2017, 2016, maybe. Like it's it, been a while. It's super funny reading that, and then there's a character. Um, it's uh, Lottie, the main character's right. sister. And you see her date of birth, and she's born in 1988, and they refer to her as being 29, and it's like, she's like 31 now. Uh, (laughs) It's like super funny, like, this book was published, you know. Sure, yeah. Like, like, the the story takes place in... Yeah, the book itself is like, back in time, when it was still contemporary. (laughs) Like, that just is a testament to, like, how pushed back this was, like, even, like, you know. Like, had this book been coming out on a, a... consistent schedule be be on like issue 30 something right now right like and i it's it's it'd probably be done in all seriousness i can't see the series like having more than maybe five or six arcs at most what i hate so the most about books that have these problems is that a lot of these books they just don't communicate well like why they're not coming back or when they're coming back yeah um when is saga gonna come back that was supposed to be back like six months ago i think what the hell is brian um, k vaughn doing like all his tv shows or other projects that he's working on are completely you know frozen for yeah. the time being so um, write some comics but um that's not that's not what shout outs is for exactly um this isn't an airing of grief no so this no, is no. A shout out um i'm gonna give a quick shout out to the latest uh issue of deadly class and the entire ninth arc i think Please, no spoilers. Um, no spoilers, no spoilers, of course. Um, but book is continuing on a great pace. Uh, I read through the entire last arc uh, a couple days ago. Um, it, it's, yeah, there's some really great stuff in that. Some, Excited. Yeah, it, it's really great. Obviously, Wes Craig's art is as stellar as it's ever been. This, this arc really takes it in a very interesting direction, not really what I was expecting. Um, or what I think anyone could be expecting, and the ending is very, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's got me very much looking forward to what's next. That's I'll awesome. say that much. Yeah, I don't remember if I read issue 43, so I'm just kind of at the point where it's been so long since, like, I read the beginning of that arc, yeah. that I kind of just want to read it all the way through <laughs> I think now. it's the third time I've read, like, the first issue of that arc, because it was also, like, a book that kind of had... I think a couple missed uh, dates 
and by the time more issues were coming out, I was like, okay, I have to reread this issue um, and start from the beginning again. So I think I've read the first issue of this arc like three or four times by now, just in trying to reread it and, and get the full story. But now I finally finished it, um, and I'm really looking forward to what's next. Um, hopefully not too long of a break on that, but definitely, yeah. I think uh, my last shout out, and while we're on the subject of comics, um, I bought a few new release things from my local comic book store, which was a great feeling. They're offering curbside pickup, so I just want to shout out comic stores and all small businesses that are, you know, trying to bounce back from yeah. the situation that we're all under, and you know, hopefully, you know, do okay during it, and you know, still get some good business and still be able to keep afloat. So I want to shout out comic book stores in particular but all small businesses yeah. during this hopefully if you have a place that you know if it's a comic store if it's some type of restaurant you really like go support them try and support please. them yeah. yeah as much as you can um, I uh, before we get out and before we go and then kind of in the same subject I want to shout out the website saveourstages.com yes um, which it's, uh, it's is, is a yeah very important um, you can just look up saveourstages.com and um, put in your information it's a um, sort of a, a group that's uh, trying to uh, put to action um, you know our, our voice and, and the people's voice to send on your behalf you can just put in your information and they'll send on your behalf a letter to your local government um, or statewide government um, to try and help out local concert venues, uh, musicians and artists and whatever the case may be. Um, very important. Um, definitely don't want to see any, uh, any venues or any artists struggle during this time. So, um, and those people need help. And, yeah. and um, I, I think it's a very important thing to, to talk about. And it's like a, literally like a minute long process. You literally just put in your name, your address, maybe a phone number and email and they literally write the entire thing for you and they send it to your representatives so please that um, easy yeah please look up saveourstages.com and uh, do that I think it's a very important thing absolutely that wraps up this week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra um, be good to each other stay safe and you'll hear from us next week yeah see you then we're closing out this week's episode with the new single, Anticipation, by Diagonal, coming from Midwest Action Records.